Welcome to the Evolution of Capitalism, Modern European History in its Global Context podcast. My name is Mate Rigo, and in the background you can hear Karl Maria von Weber invitation to the dance. Today we're going to talk about uh, prostitution and capitalism, and here we are with Nancy Wingfield, who just published a book on prostitution in late imperial Austria. Now recently, obviously, there were a lot of articles on prostitution in the press. There was one that was detailing... Um, no, uh, academic adjuncts engaging in sex work and the whole tone of, of the article and the discussion was highly moralistic and saying that this is something a very new and this is something very abnormal. Now Nancy's book really demonstrates that prostitution was all over the place in um, late 19th century uh, Austro-Hungarian um, empire um, and so probably the question is why? What makes the late 19th century and the early 20th century uh, special in terms of prostitution? Um, I think there are a number of things that make it special. One would be the great movement of peoples, in part transatlantically going to North and South America. Expansion of the rail network. People can mm -hmm. move in mm -hmm. and out, and it's not just prostitutes, mm -hmm. but it's women traveling alone. But we also have, by the turn of the 20th century, we have far larger numbers of newspapers, including Boulevard mm -hmm. Press, ready and willing to report upon this. Mm -hmm. And some of them um, have all kinds of illustrations. You can read that, you can read moralizing news, um, mm -hmm. new journals, you can read periodicals put out by various bourgeois women's organizations. And so you have a combination of this, but you also have a rise in concern about venereal disease, mm -hmm. which seems to be endemic just about the turn of the century. Part of this owes to, not its endemicness, but the interest in it, owes to um, improvements in medicine mm -hmm. and greater knowledge about the various kinds of communicable diseases, mostly syphilis and gonorrhea. Mm -hmm. These are the two that interest the doctors the most. And in Austria and in Hungary, and again, two different regimes of prostitution control, because this is not part of the dual monarchy, mm -hmm. um, they're concerned about their military. Mm -hmm. But that concern about the military goes back to the Napoleonic War and even quite a bit earlier. And part of it is, you know, soldiers travel, they have camp followers, and then there's venereal disease, and a soldier with venereal mm -hmm. disease is not fit for fighting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the combination of things. Also, you have an increased bureaucracy to look after these people mm -hmm. and to think about them. And something I suspect played a role in it it's also the fact that the Austrians had a kind of social insurance, and it's tied to your home, um, not where you mm -hmm. live, but where you were born and where your family's mm -hmm. from. And there were concerns owing to this, because it was then, as now, quite expensive to treat venereal mm -hmm. disease. What I find really interesting is I think it's really expensive to watch all of these mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. And that, that was something I found interesting. Watch the women who are tolerated prostitutes, that is, people who have signed up with the police 
and as a result of signing up with the police, if they do a certain number of things, one of which is come in for regular um, um, checkups to, for venereal disease and be placed in the hospital if one has venereal disease, um, that has to be watched and that requires an entire blanks, if you will, of, of police, morals police, but then you have the same morals police watching the streets to make sure the clandestine street walkers aren't out on the street. Now, granted, they're helped by the neighbors mm -hmm. who complain, by the moral, moralizing mm -hmm. bourgeois women's organizations. You have all of this, and then when you get into wartime, it gets even worse mm -hmm. um, in terms of suppression, the apparatus of observation, looking at women and assuming who may or may not be trading sex for money or for some kind of good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would have been my second question. How does the First World War change um, this equation? Because your book demonstrates that, that, that an even more a uh, broader array of women start to engage in commercial sex during the war. I mean, men are on the front, and it seems to be that there is an expansion of prostitution. Can we say that? Oh, or I, I think we absolutely can. I would say probably there is an increase in the number of women who sell sex. Mm -hmm. I don't know that they consider themselves exactly, prostitutes. Exactly. And, and your book really challenges the framework of, 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 of sort of moralizing prostitution. You talk about women engaging in commercial sex. And, you know, much of this discussion has been centered on poor peasant women from the countryside who are being lured into prostitution. And obviously you talk about these cases, but you also talk about bourgeois women, middle class women, lower middle class women who engage in sex work or who occasionally um, well, especially during the First World War, okay. there are examples of this, and we see their letters, and a lot of them are in the archives, but there are also memoirs from men, and those are somewhat suspect to my mm -hmm. mind. But the question is, why, are the, why would these middle-class women engage in sex work? And the answer is very clear. It's mm -hmm. the, it's Mo Healy, the, and her idea of the downfall of the monarchy on the home front. These women cannot afford to survive on the money their husbands earn as soldiers or on the money they have for whatever reason in a time of great inflation. And you, there are examples in the, um, archives that have that are internal reports on daily life in the monarchy talking mm -hmm. about women selling themselves mm -hmm. there are examples at least one Czech language memoir from someone in Prague a man in Prague talks about yes these women had to feed poor and sick children and then we go into the immediate post-war period when there are also a variety of moralizing films talking about the fallen woman. But the same social changes we hear about on the home front affect women and affect 
them in a way that it talks mm -hmm. about what they do for money, mm -hmm. because the men are simply not mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. We also see during wartime, at least at the beginning in the in the brothels, there are there are more people there because they're they're soldiers, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we see a loosening mm -hmm. of the rules about the brothels because there quite simply are not enough morals police. Mm -hmm to take care of everything that's going on. So I think that's what happens. We also, it's, so it's this change in morals because of breakdowns of social structures also affects prostitutes and women who sell themselves for money. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can we talk about trafficking? Because this is something that really, uh, you know, that's discussed a lot and your book demonstrates that you know women from Austria-Hungary ended up in various uh, places of the world including Singapore or South America or America how did how did this uh, how did this come about we don't really know precisely I mean we we know that women were mo more mobile as we've talked about there are more trains women have more possibilities mm -hmm of being on their own. Now, this is not the narrative we hear. We have a narrative of... White slavery? Yes. And this already talks about an attitude that is our women, our white mm -hmm. European women, being sent somewhere else where people are different, i.e. not white. Now, Argentina, because mm -hmm. of its really great difference in numbers of men and women, way more men than women, is a place that's discussed mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. It's hard, however, to prove quite how the women who were prostitutes got there. Mm -hmm. And if they were trafficked, if they had been promised something, we don't know. There's also the issue of language, because while Prostitution is tolerated in Austria. Pandering and pimping mm -hmm. is not. Mm -hmm. and, but this is the word that's very often used for someone who moves a woman from, say, northern Bohemia into southern Germany. Mm -hmm. And sometimes both pandering and white slaving is used. Mm -hmm. And the lack of precision just talks to us about I suppose the police in popular language. I got really interested in this because I was trying to figure out like how much it would cost mm -hmm. to get someone shipped transatlantically to say a brothel in Argentina and how you would make money from that. And I found far fewer examples of okay, this is someone who's taken and this is where they ended up. Then I did of accusations, mm -hmm. some of which fell apart. There's one I talk about in the book, um, the man who was accused, two men were accused. They were actually Austrian Jews, had come back from Argentina, and they were accused of trying to move a young Galician woman from small town Galicia, uh, via Vienna to somewhere mm -hmm. in the in the Western Hemisphere. She apparently thought she was going to Paris where her family was. And she was they stopped in Vienna and the police 
caught them and accused them of trafficking her. This went to trial, and they were actually found guilty. Mm -hmm. Now, the young woman interested me because the local, the Liga, the local sort of bourgeois volunteer women's organization took over mm -hmm. her case, and they were going to help her. And so I then got interested in, so what kind of help do these mm -hmm. people get? And they get offered things like, gee, you can be a maid. <laughs> the, jobs, the offerings to these young women who either were prostitutes, were, there were fears they might become prostitutes, or who were considered to have been possible trafficking victims, these were not necessarily well-educated women. Mm -hmm. So what they were offered for jobs strikes me as precisely the thing some of them were running away from. Exactly. So can we regard sex work at this time as a form of emancipation this or is, social mobility for some women? This is something I think about and I'm reluctant to say very straightforwardly, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. I think some women thought leaving where they were, terrible, unsafe jobs, some kinds of jobs where they weren't paid or paid very badly to go somewhere else where there was the promise of something. And it may not have been, and probably wasn't, gee, you're going to work in a brothel, but it was of a better life. So certainly these women mm -hmm. thought it was. Now, it seems to me if mm -hmm. you end up mm -hmm. in a high-end brothel, and there certainly were some in Vienna, for example, you actually might do fairly well and save enough money to run a cafe. Mm -hmm. Or in the case of one woman, her goal was to run a brothel. Mm -hmm. And this is a kind of social mobility, although perhaps, and I'm doing my inverted commas, good society mm -hmm. might not have seen that as mm -hmm. such a thing. Mm -hmm. But the other part of this and I talk about it in the, in the second or third chapter of my book, is that there are women for whom sex work is seasonal. Mm -hmm. And there was this, uh, one of the, the physicians in, uh, I think, Franz Rosa Hospital in Vienna, interviewed 100 women who happened to be in the VD section of the hospital to find out why they'd become prostitutes. And a couple of them were quite clear. They got their, their card, that is their health card, when they were laid off from their factory. And when there was work again, they gave it back and went to the factory. Mm -hmm. So this was an issue of, of living. Because when you start reading how much women were paid for factory work, and you realize mm -hmm. how they live, then you see why morals and venereal disease aside, a room in a fairly high-end brothel might well be attractive. Mm -hmm. And I, one of the things I checked was room size, mm -hmm. because <clears throat> after 1907, the brothels in Vienna especially are very closely tracked. And the brothel keepers who, in Vienna and a few other places, Trist is one of them, are women exclusively. The women are explaining, excuse me, 
our rooms are so nice. It's, you know, bourgeois families, children mm -hmm. would like these rooms. Or, excuse me, the food we feed them is very mm -hmm. good. And this we take with several grains of salt. Mm -hmm. But you do see a possibility for mobility. And we were talking earlier about the women in the brothels in Vienna who um, had money in the banks. Yeah, and, and, and invested in war bonds. Well, and I was interested in that because, boy, too bad you did that. Yeah. Um, and the police interviews sometimes say, yeah, we would have saved more, except we're sort of flighty. We're bad. We spent our money badly, which struck me as very much the police view of women in mm -hmm. general and these women mm -hmm. in particular. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The I didn't see very much else that women invested money in, although one prostitute was said to have had landed hunger. Mm. Don't know where <laughs> they didn't say anything else. This wasn't their interest, it was my interest mm -hmm. in this. Um, but during the war one one of the things I really liked was that the prostitutes like Good bourgeois women knit socks for mm -hmm. the soldiers. They bought them cigarettes, and so they played also a role in the home front, supporting the military. Mm -hmm. Not only their role as sex workers for when the soldiers returned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that, but but you had asked me earlier about the war. You see, there are a lot of people talking now about continuity and change in the monarchy in general. And one of the things that I think is interesting is if you say, looking, you look at Vienna mm -hmm. and you look at what's going on during wartime with the police watching the prostitutes. If you're reading the documents, you can be into 1919 and you will only notice a difference because the header on the police reports mm -hmm. is now the Republic of Austria, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they're still going after the women in the same way, making the same demands and checking them. Why are you in this hotel? And holding the women responsible for their sexual relationship and the VD, mm -hmm. because they're considered the source of the venereal disease. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers. No, absolutely. I mean, I just basically wanted to conclude if we know anything about the prices. Um, I'm sure it varied over time and over space. It did, and we do know something about them. We know more about them in Vienna. And they, the amount the women earned, and I, I don't know it off the top of my head, in dollars, I can give it to you later because I have it in my book. It, they actually make a reasonable amount of money, but depending on how it's divided with the brothel keeper, the brothel keeper can keep them impoverished. And that's one of the things in the post-1907 period, the police were working on. They organized the rules so the prostitutes, when they arrived, they didn't buy their clothing, their, their bedding and everything from the brothel keeper, so they couldn't mm -hmm. be in bondage. And they actually made a great deal more money than 
what that a woman made as a feather someone who put feathers in hats mm -hmm. or a hat maker mm -hmm. or some of the tailoring jobs mm -hmm. that were also very seasonal mm -hmm. and so yes they were were paid in some cases fairly well we i know that some of sometimes when they caught someone for clandestine prostitution how much would you pay mm -hmm. a heller or two a crown or two or sometimes they still had it in gold and then mm -hmm. you would have mm -hmm. to figure out what they meant but i also know the prices went up at the beginning of the war and they dropped mm -hmm. by the end of the war they went back up during hyperinflation mm -hmm. In, at least in Vienna in 1919 and 1920 mm -hmm. <laughs> and this, so this this is something you can you can read about it and when I was looking at that I then was trying to find out well great this is how much you make you know a trick you may make five six seven whatever um, crowns but how much does a loaf of bread cost yeah and that then when you compare those you see why the the price for for um the sex act went up and why more people were more women were involved in because as people poured into vienna mm -hmm. after the war this is one of the things they did now it also is interesting because after the war some of their um their customers are different aren't they there because their troops from the the victorious powers mm -hmm. there, and you you see this as well. <laughs> I think we have to conclude, Nancy Wingfield. Thank you so much for talking about prostitution in late imperial Austria. Thank you. It was wonderful. If you